how do you work with your local tribal communities to be able to tell that story and understand their perspective and don't bring learning to them, but bring their learning to the communities that you live in. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So welcome to today's episode of Learning Unboxed. As always, I am super excited because today we get to have a conversation that takes us back outdoors. And for our listeners, you know that I love anything that gets kids out of a building and into the world. So I'm super excited to uh, have joining us today, Jess Nakanevish, who leads the Sustainable Forestry Initiative's work in education to advance environmental literacy, stewardship, and pathways to green careers, which is very exciting. And of course, one of the things that we want more and more kiddos to uh, get involved with. Um, and through that, she's also um, sort of leads and directs a Project Learning Tree, which we're going to learn a lot more about. So so Jess, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Nice to be here. Okay. And I think I pretty much butchered your last name. So for, for our listeners, just say your full name for us. <laughs> All good. Uh, Jess Kacknevich is VP Education with SFI. Perfect. Thank you so much. And my no apologies worries. for that. So, um, so just you know, if our listeners come to us from all over the world. So let's let's start with sort of the hundred thousand foot view about sustainable forestry, and I guess the parent organization under which there are a number of different activities and programs that you're doing. Um, so let's just start with sort of what the mothership, if you will. So why why this thing? Yeah, so SFI, or Sustainable Forestry Initiative, is an organization that advances sustainability through forest-focused collaborations. And so we're all about sustainability, but we do it through that lens of forests. Um, we've been an organization that's really been focused on delivering our work through a couple pillars of work. One is which standards, conservation, community, and then the work that I do is really focused on education and career pathways. And so if you think about it, the ultimate goal is to really just to get people to to act more sustainably mm -hmm. and think about their connection with the natural world and understand the role that forests can play in that sustainability piece. Yeah, and we, we, we know that not only is it globally super important, but the other piece of it is kids love that, right? It, it is a very easy way to get children really, really engaged in the things that they're learning. You know, roll up their sleeves, get dirty, you know, immerse them in the environment. And so, um, again, really excited about that. So, so share with us a little bit about some of the specifics of the programming um, that you're doing. And just for full disclosure, both to you and to our listeners, so one of the projects that we do with a local school, um, we actually partnered up last summer with the Ohio you know, regional affiliate, I guess, if you will, um, of Project Learning Tree. And they came out and they did some stuff with us. So when my staff heard we were having this conversation, they were like, oh my gosh, we know them and it's so awesome. And so help folks understand. So what sort of the, sort of dig in a little bit to the ins and outs about how you get access to this programming and how you've sort of, um, you know, as an organization really sort of structured the way some of those components work. 
Yeah, so Project Learning Tree is a really well-known environmental education mm-hmm. program. Um, but what I also want to kind of start with is the idea that PLT offers a multitude of ways for people to engage with the outdoors. People are probably most familiar with our education work. And so mm-hmm. the workshop you mentioned are yeah. our state network partners. Yep. Um, they help to deliver environmental education on the ground. And what we do at the national level is we develop resources, um, activities, curriculum that they can mm-hmm. implement at that state level. And they work to train educators to become confident in being able to deliver those activities. And so I don't know what it was like for you when you were growing up, but for me, getting outdoors and having that teacher feel confident to get you outdoors and be able to do an activity out there Mm -hmm. was a limitation, I think, for some educators to take learning outdoors or for some non-formal educators to be able to, you know, engage with young people outdoors. And so Project Learning Tree provides educational resources and training to really make that easy Mm -hmm. so that students not only connect but they're also using or they're developing really valuable skills that are critical for their development and so it's less about you know here's the environment let's teach you about the environment Mm -hmm. but using the environment as almost like the platform to engage and build problem solving skills exploration communication teamwork it's the way to build different skills by using the environment as the 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 platform in which Mm -hmm. you do that yeah. And so if you step back from it and sort of think about the 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 bigger or the broader sort of impacts. This is an organization that's been around for a while and 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 it's not just been around for a while but it's seen a lot of changing trends as we think about environment and and the role of environment in education and even the way we think about the standards that are tied to environmental education. And you just don't work um in in the US as well. So so you know as you sort of think about the the longer term work that's happened, how, what, what do you see as some of the sort of keystones, I guess, that have really kind of informed the way the organization thinks about its role in the world of education, both formal or informal? Yeah, and like I mentioned, like at the national level, our role is really to provide the resources Mm -hmm. to be implemented at that local level. And so because we have programs like Ohio, Mm -hmm. we're able to really take what we are able to develop, but implement it to what's important to that community. Right. And so it's adaptable. It's 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 made to deliver what's relevant for the community members, for the youth within that area. And so that's what's made PLT such an important program for over the past 40 40 years is Mm -hmm. that it creates that relevant piece. And so what's happening in your community? What are the issues in your community? How can I use PLT to explore those issues? Um, And that allows us to continue to be relevant decade after decade and into the future. So Mm -hmm. as we get into more issues around climate change, looking at resources that help people navigate that conversation at that local level, looking at things like diversity and inclusion, how do we use the environment and understanding our connection with the environment to build awareness there. Mm -hmm. And so um, our state programs um, really allow us to connect um, over. 70 state partners that help us to deliver PLT at that state level, but we also have international partners. Mm -hmm. Um, We're growing our work in Canada, which I'm based in, um, Mm -hmm. as well as we have partners in Japan and Mexico and Chile. And so looking for opportunities to expand the work we're doing globally, because although the resources um, help to focus on issues in North America, because they're adaptable, you're Mm -hmm. able to really take Mm -hmm. and implement those, those key learnings in any part of the world. And that's one of the things that actually I like the most about the program 
program and the way it's been designed and developed is the fact that it recognizes that just because we have this this broad concept doesn't mean that we we can deliver it as is and it will be relevant um, to the community or certainly yeah. even engage that local learner, right? So the fact that, you know, teachers or informal educators can literally grab the materials, make it their own so that it works with their kiddos, I think is an incredible benefit. And unfortunately, we don't see that all the time in programming, but we do see it in great programming. So certainly appreciate that. Yeah. You- and just to quickly add to that, like the, the benefit is, um, you know, the environmental issues can be, can feel big to young people mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. feel like, I don't know what I can do. If you can make it relevant in their community and actions that they can take in their community, they're going to connect more. They're going to create that, that stewardship ethic that will last longer. And so that's the, the, the great importance of having that community connection relevance and making it tangible for a yeah. young person makes them connect more to it. Yeah, absolutely. Can you share just a little bit, just with our listeners, an example of one of the units, right? Because I do want to make sure that because I, I I do I want to preface this. This is an incredibly accessible program. It is it is amazingly easy to use. Um, it um, you know as we've talked about, it's it's highly adaptable. But more importantly, kids love it. I mean that was one of the things. So I, I went back. You know um, as I mentioned, you know that we we engaged with the program last summer. So I went back to pull the materials just to sort of see ahead of our conversation today. And you can see the engagement and the photographs and the videos of the kids engaging with it. They are all in and. And I do mean all in, right? And that's one of the things that we want to see happen. So could you sort of share with our listeners, just maybe give an example of a particular unit and why you love that unit or how you've seen students engage with it or even teachers engage with it in creative ways? Yeah, so I'll kind of use one that we just launched recently last year. Um, it's called Trillions of Trees, and it's it's a compilation of three activities. And the story really tells the importance of planting trees, why trees are valuable, how do we take care of trees, and then looking for signs of health of trees. And so everything from, you know, how do you grow a tree? What are the things that trees need in order to grow? And that can be relevant to any community. Mm-hmm. So you can look mm-hmm. at what's the tree in my community? What are the things it needs? How much sun does it need? Well, how do things grow? Um, all the way to understanding, um, you know, the, the lifetime connection. So how do we ensure that that tree continues to be healthy? What are the signs that we're looking for in terms of health? And so it's that exploration piece, working as a team to look at a tree and go, what are the signs that it's healthy or that it's mm-hmm. not healthy? What could be impacting it? And then really talking about the benefits of trees. And so trees and forests, um, whether you're in an urban community, whether you're in suburban and rural mm-hmm. community, they have huge benefits for health, um, reducing stress, increasing um, activity, reducing, um, you know, heart rate. Um, they have everything to, um, you know, producing products that we use on an everyday basis. They produce food. They give habitat for wildlife. So understanding that trees and forests play such an important role to our community, those are the types of things that we explore through our activities. And so getting out, connecting with, writing poems, being mm-hmm. able to touch and explore, and explore nature. And the benefit of PLT is, well, there's like scientific approaches you can take with some of the assessments. So, you know, measuring and writing Mm -hmm, down, doing mm -hmm. charts. There's also that artistic piece, which is so important for some youth. And so, you know, writing down, telling a story of the tree in your backyard or telling the story of a tree that maybe your family talked to you about and talking about that intergenerational transfer Mm -hmm. of information and storytelling is a a really important aspect too of PLT. And that's what makes PLT so unique is that while... um, all the activities are really can be driven to different parts of the curriculum. So science, math, 
arts, learning, um, language, um, you know, physical activity. There's so many different ways that PLT can be connected. And I think that's what makes it so relevant. It's not just one aspect of the curriculum or one aspect of the standards. It can be really driven across. And again, that that's why it's so important for that mm-hmm. state level connection, because they also have their own standards right. that they have to yeah. meet. And so being able to pull that connection at that state level is what really makes it relevant. Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, I just really love that. So share with us a little bit about sort of what the organization is thinking from a sort of a next or a long-term sort of standpoint. And I've been asking this question a lot of my guests because we're, we are all globally coming off, and I, I use the word off right now mm-hmm. um, in the sort of loose terms, this this global pandemic, which we know is is a turning endemic, right? And we are still dealing with it, you know, in, in ongoing ways. Um, you know, depending on where you are in the world right now, there's there's a variety of different surges still happening. So our environment is is an is an intriguing and tenuous place on many, many, many different levels. And certainly, you know, many organizations coming off of a pandemic have seen a number of different shifts, some mm-hmm. some great, some not so great, some sort of in the middle. And I always, I, I've been asking, you know, sort of, you know, as you think about the work that you're doing and coming off of, and I'm sure that you had to make some adjustments during the pandemic to be able to deliver. There's a lot of virtual stuff going on out there in the world. But, but what from that experience you know, both the positive and the negative as it relates to the way that your organization is thinking about its next steps or moving forward. Yeah, and I think the pandemic was interesting because I think what it exposed a lot of people to is the benefits of being outdoors. Mm-hmm. It was almost like the one safe place you could be yeah. for a little bit. And yeah. so a lot of people got outdoors, a lot of people connected. Um, for us as an organization, we had to shift because people, we weren't able to ha- have those right. in-person workshops that we used to. Mm-hmm. So we did shift to virtual. Now we're seeing that, oh, people now want to be in person, but it still gives us that opportunity to look at that hybrid structure. Mm-hmm. Virtual also allowed us to really expand our reach and our yeah. impact. Yeah. Um, and so being able to really talk about the work you're doing at a bigger level mm-hmm. because everyone was able to do it mm-hmm. and teachers were now coming more online to look for resources. So we were able to adapt and provide some programming online. And so we look at that as still being something we offer moving forward. Mm-hmm. But that in-person connection is just still so valuable through our state programs and teachers are looking for that. And I think it really brought that um, that environmental connection to a lot of teachers and they're looking for ways that they can bring that into their own classroom. So being able to expand some of our Mm -hmm. in-person stuff Mm -hmm. through our partners, being able to continue to drive online learning. But also for me, when I think of it, like I'm a a new parent and so Mm -hmm. I was a pandemic mom and seeing Mm -hmm. that connection of my kid now with the outdoors, I go, how do I spark that lifetime of curiosity and continue to have that connection with the outdoors? And so we look at, you know, early on, have an interest. There's mm-hmm. this early experience that might get a young person to be curious about what is what is my connection, what is my role in this environment and sustainability, mm-hmm. then driving through to how do we build that understanding. For us as um, Sustainable Forestry Initiative, we look at things through the lens of trees and forests. Right. And so what is the role of forests and sustainability? So looking at building tools and resources that help people to understand that connection to forest as a supplement. I understand environment, I understand sustainability, mm-hmm. what are the role of forests, mm-hmm. and 
the ultimate goal long term is potentially sparking someone's interest in a green career. And so, you know, I myself am in a green career. I can think of moments in my early childhood when there was really impactful moments that drove me to get outdoors and connect. And it led me to the space in the sustainability world. And, you know, we we want more people and more diverse people entering into those careers. Um, And so being able to drive interest and awareness of careers early on and then driving the connection to careers and and skills development to be able to build that connection. And even if someone doesn't end up in, in a green career, even building that understanding of sustainability or environmental understanding and understanding the role of our forests means that later on, even if they're an artist, even if they're a doctor, even if they're a politician, they understand the role the environment plays and have and that's within them within their own careers and they're able to act more sustainably. And so, you know, that's a really long term Mm -hmm. projection for an organization, but that's what is really needed. So when we're having conversations at the high level about sustainability, if everyone is already at this basic knowledge, Mm -hmm. we'd be further along. We wouldn't Mm -hmm. have to be having conversations around what do forests do for climate change because people would understand it because of PLT early on. And so that our ultimate goal is that increasing that forest literacy, increasing environmental literacy so that people are are advancing sustainable solutions earlier on would be would be our ultimate goal yeah and ultimately you're creating stewards right for a lifetime and that's that's a really big thing i i bump up against this all the time right in the various conversations that we have on this program and and i hear that repeatedly is you know we recognize that you know we're we're really lucky if we can get kids to be in x y or z career but at the end of the day just for them to understand what that career is what that particular need happens to be um they become a more educated adult population Um, and at the end of the day right those are the things that we need. So, so I certainly am super excited about that. I also always like to ask because especially programs such as yours that have been around for so long, you know, 40 years, that's, that, that's a lot of impact. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of learning Mm -hmm. um, as an organization, as well as by the public that benefits from it. You know, along the way, and and it may be that you don't necessarily have the the long, long term sort of sort of knowledge in this space, but even just in your own work within the organization, you know, I'm sure that you have heard from time to time, well, we can't do that, or you know, I just don't really see that that's going to be possible. And I'm super curious about the conversations that you engage with with educators or communities or organizations that say, oh no, you know, that our kids can't do that, our community doesn't want to do that, that's not what it should look like. Talk to me a little bit. Um, you know, our, our listeners are always looking for ways to go out into their community and marshal the forces and say that we should do this. So, mm-hmm. so what? How do you arm folks to go out and say, "Hey, let's bring this program to our community," or "Let's bring this program to my individual classroom" when there's a lot of pushback? Yeah, and I think it comes down to sometimes it's as simple as working with your state program or working with partners to make it relevant. And for us, Mm -hmm. you know, when you think about trying to increase the diversity of partners we work Mm -hmm. with, Mm -hmm. it's working with the people who are already in those communities that have those connections that I think is so important and so valuable. As a national organization, we can play a national role. We can -hmm. can play that, you know, bringing people together, saying the same message. But if we want to reach into underserved communities, finding the right partner that's already mm-hmm. there and, and working with them on what's right for that community. And again, it's that knowing that community level connection is so critical because they understand the issues. And, mm-hmm. you know, you always think of like, you don't, you don't bring in big issues to a community that might not be thinking of an environment. And I have a good example, like I live in Toronto and I worked mm-hmm. for an organization where we were trying to plant trees in a, in a, in a less, less, um, less 
affluential mm-hmm. part of the community. And, you know, convincing them to plant trees was hard because they were worried about putting food on their plates. Sure. And it was like, you know, that wasn't important to them. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. relating in a way that says, you know, this is the benefit of it. This is the health benefit. It can have reduced, um, you know, it can reduce your energy consumption. Mm-hmm. It can lower your bills. Like we're talking about it in a way that relates to that person mm-hmm. while also trying to make that environmental connection. Sometimes you just have to adapt the way that you're yeah. communicating the work you're doing to make it relevant. But you can, that's, that's why PLT is so unique because you can, you can create that community level story, but it's all about partnerships and understanding the communities you're working with. Mm-hmm. And we've done some work with indigenous communities where it's, you know, working with that indigenous or that tribal nation and saying, how do we bring this into your schools or, or how do mm-hmm. we modify these resources so that they're relevant to you, your community and the youth that are being brought up in your community, understanding the challenges they may have faced and integrating that into the learning. And I think that's what makes PLT unique. And that's what makes any program mm-hmm. successful is mm-hmm. not coming in with your solution, but being open to adapting and being open to um, modifying what you need to do to tell your story, but listen to their story most importantly. Right. right. And I actually really love the idea of you working with the Native communities in particular because traditionally in so many of Native communities, not just in the U.S. or Canada, but across the globe, they have so much deep knowledge historically and traditionally yeah. about their own environment. Um, it it is woven into their origin stories, their day-to-day beliefs, a lot of the things that they do. So I love the fact that you are working diligently to try to incorporate those components in a meaningful way. And I would imagine um, that there is a, a an exchange of knowledge and information that, oh, yeah. that you have learned a lot from that experience in this, as much, if not more, than taking your own program into those communities. How do you okay, then... Because- tr- how do you that how would you translate that kind of experience into the broader program as a whole? Yeah, like I always think of when we think of sustainability, sometimes we think of this like Western world of like, oh, sustainability, what a neat concept. Yeah. And when you work with tribal nations, it's intertwined yeah. into the way that yeah. they work. It's their connection with the environment. Mm-hmm. It's the circular way that they approach mm-hmm. life. And so sometimes you have to step back and go, we're not teaching them. They're teaching us yes, about, yeah. you know, how they've always thought about this as part of their community. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's so valuable to, to learn from Indigenous communities is they've lived for centuries in a mm-hmm. sustainable way mm-hmm. and how can we learn more from them and integrate their learnings and their connection to the environment like when you hear about you know their stories and when you hear about their communities environment is an integral part it's not yeah. an outside piece it's right. a part of how they live mm-hmm. and how they how they love and for us it's we have so much to learn about that connection mm-hmm. and so much value to gain from the importance of environment in our everyday lives but living with the environment not separate from it and right. being able to use it and being able to be sustainable with it is so critical. And so um, integrating that into our own work, we're doing a lot of that at the state mm-hmm. level, at the mm-hmm. national level, is telling those stories and saying, you know, how do you work with your local tribal communities mm-hmm. to be able to tell that story and understand their perspective and don't bring learning to them, but bring their learning to the communities that you live in. Yeah. I also think, and this is a complete segue, I suppose, on some levels. And so, but I do think it's an intriguing opportunity for places that no longer have a tribal presence. The reality mm-hmm. is back to, you know, our, our own collective origin stories. That was not always the case, right? And so there, there, there was that connection to the earth, to that place where we are all now living today. So it would seem to me an intriguing opportunity to be able to recapture pieces that have been lost in some places as well. I don't know what that would look like, but I think 
think it's an interesting thing to think about and and how could we possibly bring some of those components back yeah and making space for that storytelling yeah. is so important and I think that that's um, a part of the work that we do is opening up space to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, storytelling is such an important way to describe the connection with mm-hmm. the environment. And, and the, you know, we always think about connection between animals, connection between trees and animals and water. And it's sometimes it's almost easier to tell it in a story than yeah. it is in a scientific way. Yeah. Yeah. So. And certainly more engaging in many ways, depending on your audience. Yeah. I love that. So one of the one of the other questions that I have for you is with the ongoing and constant push around technology, mm-hmm. right? New uses of technology, evolving technology, as we all know, it's just the rate and pace of change right now is just unlike anything we've seen in a very very long time. So how how not not from a sort of zoom and bigger reach perspective? I'm thinking you know really sort of brass tacks or nuts. And bolts, if you will. Um, you know, as folks are thinking about, well, you know, I need to be teaching my kids more about, you know, technology and getting them into sort of STEM careers that are based on technology. How does any of that then translate? Because one of the things that I'm always trying to, or a past as an organization is always trying to work on, is to sort of show the broad implications of the ways that different industries and careers either overlap or that they're integrated across them. And so one of the questions, of course, is always going to be about technology. Um, you know, you're, the program is talking about going back out and sustainability and being, you know, part uh, part of nature in the forest. But there are many, many, many technological sort of integrations or components to that, I have no doubt. So how, how are you as an organization sort of thinking about that balance? Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, I, I'm a true believer that don't try to fight it, but try to mm-hmm. integrate it into the work that you're doing. Um, you know, I think in the environmental education world, we need to be open to including ways to integrate apps into your learning. And we do that throughout some of our resources now is calling out, you know, what app is that and trying mm-hmm. to make that connection all the way to um, integrating technology into different parts of the learning. And so everything from, you know, how do you bring, you might do an outdoor assessment, how do you bring it back, sit down and drive through, drive it through a simulation or drive mm-hmm. it through an Excel sheet to drive some of those formulations. Mm-hmm. So being able to integrate technology is such an important piece. And I think that sometimes Sometimes people um, assume that the environmental field, or especially for us, the forest sector, is not innovative and is right. not developing. And there's so many different technologies mm-hmm. that are being mm-hmm. developed, whether it's like new products that are being developed and the technology that's needed careers in, you know, GIS, being able to drive a drone, being able to do simulations to look at what is climate change doing to the, what are impacting our forests. There's such a role for technology in environment and coming up with potential solutions Mm -hmm. or seeing the impact. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so critical. And so I don't think you fight it. I think you bring it in and, you know, young people, it's, let's be honest, young people are going to have a connection to their phone and it's going to be, how do you bring that? So take pictures of nature, go look it up, you know, bring out that app that picks up the bird sound, tell me what it is, work with it, see how they can actually drive that connection. And you know what, they might end up putting it down and looking away from the phone just because you were able to drive that connection for them. Yeah, I think that's very true. And I think that all the different, you know, sort of sensor-based monitoring uh, systems, I mean, there is so, so much technology all over, but I, you know, I do know that that's one of the things that people sort of wrestle with as they're trying to balance out the different standards that they need to teach, you know, and hey, I've got yeah. all this technology stuff. And I would say, oh, great. Why don't you use your your local park, your local forest, your local whatever exactly. to be the actual topic or the mechanism that you drive to teach those standards over there. Exactly. Um, and I guess that's part of sort of what I love about the the 
conversation we get to have on the program is that we, we, we do get to sort of help people think about, I don't have to do this in addition to, but I can swap pieces out uh, to really get to that local relevancy around whatever topic I'd really just love to engage my kids in. And I think one of them is finding ways to engage you in your local forest in a, a million different ways is, is awesome yeah. um, for kids and for our community. And we recognize that, like moving yeah. forward, it's like understanding the, the role of technology and the opportunity of technology. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Too. Exactly. And I, I love the way you put that, the opportunity of technology. That's fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always like to sort of think about closing the conversation with recognizing that people are listening to this program from all over the world. And some of them are just an individual teacher or an individual, you know, person in their local community center um, or a parent even. Um, in a variety of different places that are like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing, but I don't even know how to get access to that. What would it look like if I were to do something um, like this um, and program in my own community? So in addition to just getting a hold of your state rep, and as you mentioned, there are, there are 70 different um, sort of affiliates or, or representatives across the U.S. in particular, um, but how do, how do you go about if you're, you're, you don't have that local access? Yeah, so I would say 100% start at our website, Mm -hmm. plt.org. There's free resources on there for families. There's ones that people connect to or can bring to their own communities that are free. We also have resources that people can purchase online, but really it's starting there. There's there's great blogs where we post the STEM connections, where Mm -hmm. we post, you know, how do we make this easy for families? So even if you don't have that state-level connection, there's ways for you to use PLT in your communities just by starting at our website. Yeah, um, and I certainly appreciate that. So, last last question. So, um, are there are there great modules or ideas or topics that you guys are working on that you just feel like are going to be kind of the next thing we should we should really sort of be zeroing in on with kids as it relates to long term sustainability um, in yeah. our forests? What, what are we working on? Yeah, so I'd say there's two big pieces that I'm ex- most excited about. One is our work in climate change and being mm-hmm. able to drive that forest to climate change connection. And so being able to develop resources and tools to, you know, educate um, teachers about bringing this into the classroom and also easy to use tools for kids to understand what do forests what's the role of forests in climate change and how can we elevate that role to really drive solutions? Um, And the second is diversity. How do we bring more diverse and underserved communities into the environmental world? And so whether that's through career pathways, whether that's through driving and um, being able to deliver PLT programming in that community, Mm -hmm. I think those are the two big pieces. So one is more content-based and one is more reaching new audiences. And for us, um, we're really focused on working with our state partners and building national partnerships that help us to reach underserved communities. Um, and so I'm most excited about those two pieces because I think those two and those two connected as well, mm-hmm. um, I think is really important too. And understanding um, what's relevant in the communities, but also how we can really increase the reach of PLT and make that environmental connection in the communities where people live. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Uh, Jess, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak with us. And more importantly, thank you for the work um, that that the organization is doing. Uh, sustainable forestry initiatives work is, it's amazing. And and like I said, just full disclosure for, for, for our listeners, um, at PASS, we've used the program. We've loved it. The kids have had an amazing experience. So um, it's not just a fun conversation, but I can actually advocate that I hope that folks reach out I reach out through the program. Uh, we will post all of the resources. This is an amazing thing that you can, in fact, do in your community, and you should. So super, super excited about the work that you're doing, Jess. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you for having us on. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed. 
a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.